This is Mr. Impact Wrestling himself, Moose, and you're listening to the Irish Whip. Hookers? Hookers and Coke? Hookers and Coke, man. You're the only pro wrestler I know that wants to do this shit in the morning. Yeti, you're a f***ing moron. Put it this way, I think Sammy Callahan might as well just change his name to Invader I want to know why. Like, he can dodge any question. Like, I'll tell anyone that. You can tell me the f***, but I, I'm going to ask specific questions. Promotional consideration paid for by the following. WrestlingNewsSource.com all the rest of you yahoos are out there dilly-dilly you little wankers, we're actually receiving real wrestling news. This is Brett screwed Brett. I'm Who are you to, to, to doubt El Dandy? Because this guy's a serious professional. Brett screwed Brett. Hold two arm bar. Hey, get a nice shot of the brand new Mr. and Mrs. Hunter Hearst Helmsley. I hate you. I hate you. I hate your hat. I hate your t-shirts, I hate your wristbands, I hate your shoes, I hate your music, I hate the C-Nation, I hate everything that you stand for. So does rule. Yeah, they do. <laughs> What's up, TIW Mafia? JP here with Josh, and we have a guest today. Uh, he's from Major League Wrestling, he's from Promotions Chikara. Pretty much all over the U.S., including Chikara, which is one of, you know, you, it's one of our favorites, hands down. UFO wrestling, one of my favorites. Uh, um, he's been all over in his time in the wrestling business. Mark Adam Haggerty, otherwise known as, um, what was it, Adam Markopoulos you got called last week? Oh, uh, Dude, I get called different things all the time. <laughs> Who even knows at this point? I, I work shows with people, like 20 shows in a row, and they just call me Adam like they think that's my first name. But Mark Haggerty, you call me Mark, guys. That's fine. Cool. So, Mark, I know I, I've done UFO shows with you. Um, for the past couple of years, you've been kind of their, uh, their ring announcer. But you've been all around, really. I mean, Chikara Pro, which Major League Wrestling, like how, how cool is that? Yeah, no, it's uh, it's pretty crazy, you know. To me, it's actually crazier that I would work for a company like UFO because going up to ball, like going when I went to, uh, and I'm gonna refer to Malden. I'm gonna refer to Malden as Boston, like a loser, but that's fine with me. Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, I had never been to Massachusetts prior to working there. Um, I had never, I had seen Boston and everything like on TV and, and whatnot, but I had never visited. So the first time I had ever been to Ma New England in general, New England period was to work for UFO. So for me, it's just mind blowing to think that a company that far away from where I grew up and where I live now is, uh, you know, as you said, have been employing me for three years now. It's crazy. No. You are doing now. You're you're like a social media guru. Oh, I, mean, I try. You you got your indie wrestling TV show, uh, the locker room dicks. You got your own YouTube channel going. Your Twitter and everything is just. And you're now doing <laughs> seminars on that. How important is social media to people in the pro wrestling business? I mean, it's vital. It's um, it is uh. It's it's super important. You see 
wrestlers all the time. I saw a, a buddy of mine the other day, like who just had a new daughter, uh, Jimmy Conway from South Philly's finest, uh, just had a new daughter and he's just so fed up with like the toxicity that is social media. And he straight up said on Facebook, he's like, if it was, if I wasn't a performer, I wouldn't have any of this. Um, you know, it's, it's a double-edged sword. Cause you know, as you know, as stated, it can be pretty gross, but it, it's important. Um, you know, especially considering, you know, if you just look at the basics of it, there's so many people trying to do the same thing, whether you're a wrestler or a commentator or a referee or whatever the case may be. And, you know, you could be the best in the world. And, uh, if you're not in social media, odds are people aren't going to find out about that. Um, I tell people all the time that if it wasn't for social media, I, I wouldn't have a career, not like not a career to the extent that I do now, not a career that I can live off of. You know what I mean? Do you, right. how I'm going to, how Mark, I'm doing, and this is, this is me just kind of button in JP when like he's, when That's we do fun. interviews, when we deal with interviews with somebody, with somebody like you is, is dude is valuable. It's, it's invaluable. And I sit here and think about when we've had, you know, if people could sit down and listen to how you've gotten to where you've gotten to and how you've done that. And you can pick brains like Bob Evans or Mike Quackenbush or Brian Fury or the list goes on and on. And I'm putting you in that category because I think what you're doing is huge for what these performers need. I really think that they need um, separate social media accounts for friends and family and then who they are as a performer. I also, and I kind of want to get your opinion too, I, I don't agree with especially the female wrestlers and Patreon. I don't know if you want to go into that, but is that part of, I mean, is that okay? Um, you know, Patreon to me is, uh, you know, I guess it kind of depends. Um, you know, I'll sum it up the best way possible. When I first started selling merchandise, a lot of people were giving me trouble for it because I'm an announcer and the old school way of thinking is that someone like me shouldn't be selling merchandise. But I believe it was the aforementioned brutal Bob Evans who who told me he's like, look, if there's people willing to buy it, then you better have it to sell. Like, uh, and that's the way I look at Patreon is like I don't have a Patreon because I don't really see a market for it. But I'll tell you, you know, um, I'm really good friends with Jessica Havoc uh, on Impact Wrestling, and she's, she's got amazing. a pa- She's got a Patreon, you know, I don't know if people follow her too much, but just to sum it up, she's got a a real Resident Evil-y gimmick, and she plays a lot of video games. And if you sign up for her Patreon, it's not like you're getting a bunch of, like, bikini pictures. You're getting, like, a role-playing game every every month, you know? You're getting, like, like she, she sends out, like, these, like vials of liquid labeled, like, antidote and, like, a treasure map and, like, all this stuff, like, you, you know it's really interesting and inclusive and fun stuff. And I see a lot of people doing Patreon stuff like that. You know, the locker room detectives, we've been talking about doing uh, like a mystery kit or something on Patreon, but to the extent of like, you know, um, I I feel like if there's a market for it, do it. But if there's not a market for it, you just look stupid having it with no subscribers. Right. So if you've, I mean, if you're a male or a female and you have the body to be able to do it and somebody is willing to pay money for it, there's absolutely no reason you should not put out that out there and make money. Right. 
Hey, I say make money doing whatever you're comfortable with doing that's legal. That's just like my philosophy in life. Does that Ooh. come from the years of growing weed? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, like I, hey, I'm from Southern California. Weed has been legal to some extent since 1996 there. Um, so like, you know, I just kind of, it, it's, it's just something I, I did for several years. I grew weed. I sold weed in a, uh, in a store on Wardlow Avenue in Long Beach for five years. Uh, you know, that was a huge part of my life. <laughs> Little did you know, if you got into wrestling while you were doing that, you probably would have doubled your weed sales. You know, it's, it's so crazy. You say that I say this in interviews and stuff all the time. I was interviewed by high times magazine. And I was telling them when I first started out in this business, uh, I tried to keep like my weed smoking and everything like on the down low because I was like, oh, man, these are like athletes that I'm around right now. Like, you know what I mean? Like, you know, yeah. I don't want to, you know, like they're they're probably on some like, you know, full jug of water and spinach a day diet. Like, I don't want to little did I know, like everyone in the business like is just like, oh, does that we give me that weed? Like, <laughs> I, I don't want to throw people under the bus, but that's just right. the way it is. No, well, it's just RBD. Nobody else touches that but RBD. That's just how it works. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you also started out by kind of traveling, or not started out, but early on you traveled with Robbie E., who probably is a jug of water, or at least at the time was a jug of water and spinach guy. So Yeah, and, you know, it's, it's interesting you say that. I've actually never even thought about that because when I did start out with Robbie – um, Robbie doesn't and didn't like, you know, I mean, he's one of those, like, he's like a normal person where like, you know, if it's like, you know, a social thing, he might do it. Now he's got that wellness policy at WWE. Yeah. So I know he's not, um, yeah. but like, you know, Robbie I mean, didn't smoke or anything. And I remember him being weird about it, but then I got out of that bubble and I realized how prevalent it was. And they just how suspended Samoa Joe, which was clearly for steroids, right? I have no idea, man. I saw that earlier today yeah, though. Um, Sarcasm is one of my languages. But, but JP, like, le, like what what Mark's saying is like it's not. I don't Major League Baseball. That's not a banned substance anymore. No, and I can see why it is in the UFC because it does have the healing properties. Like I use it. I use CBD for my back. I don't smoke. I like to drink, as you saw at UFO, but I don't smoke at all. And uh, I don't see why the WWE has it as a banned substance at this point. I mean, to be fair, and I mean, I, I don't want to talk out of school. Like, I don't work there. <laughs> but, like, Not um, yet. I, I, I don't know why any substances are banned because, like, you know, I mean, the sport is what it is. Um, like, I could understand, like, I, I could understand, like, banning, like, methamphetamine or like you know uh like like something like angel dust like i could like something that would make you act insane in the ring but like even like steroids it's like you know what like what what are we doing it's like oh my god if randy orton takes steroids he's gonna have an unfair advantage well says who the writer like come on what are we doing here that's I, it's the same way, like when they talk about steroids with hitters and pitchers. Like people understand, like pitchers were also on steroids. Plus, it takes one hell of a person to be able to hit a ball going almost a hundred miles an hour out of the park. I so, say let's like, just really, legalize them across the board and see what happens. But that's just me. That's like libertarian minded me. No, do you? I mean, obviously, you still partake to a point then. Um, to a point, you know, it is tough, obviously. 
I had to wean myself off when I started hitting the road more, basically um, because it, you know it, it, it's to the point where you know when I was younger, you know you you'd have your supply and then you'd run out and you'd go to get someone to like re up with someone and so on and so forth. But like being out on the road and not knowing people and being by yourself a lot, you know, you run into situations like where it's like, oh, I don't know if I can find weed anywhere. So like back in like 2017, I started to wean myself off. It's it's more of an irregular thing now, but it's definitely something I still partake in. I'll never stop. I tell people that all the time. Now, you did pro wrestling syndicate shows, right? Oh yeah, yeah. I still, uh, I. Uh, oh wait, no. Pro wrestling's. I'm, I'm mixing that up with something else. Well, now uh, it's pro, Wrestle Pro. Pro wrestling syndicate. So, pro wrestling syndicate. Uh, when I first moved to the East Coast, which was 2015, um, I was podcasting. That's how I got involved in wrestling. I was podcasting. I was writing for different dirt sheets online, and one of them sent me to pro wrestling syndicate. So I was doing some backstage work with them. But I never appeared as an announcer for them. I never started. I never appeared as an announcer until 2017, and by that point, WrestlePro had taken over, and I've never worked for WrestlePro. See, I wonder because I used to. Was it um, who was running PWS at that point? Do you remember? Eric Pleska and Pat Buck. Okay. The announcer was probably David Adams. Yeah. See, I went. I used to travel down there with uh, Chris Norman. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think I think David know, Adams was the announcer there for several years. Yeah. Yeah, he replaced Chris after a while. Chris, because Eric switched partners several times, and oh, I don't know why. I can't, and, I can't figure that out. <laughs> That's a story for another day. <laughs> There's a reason he's. I, I, I still. There's a reason Eric. he promotes women's volleyball now instead. Is what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Um, but yeah, but that's I used to travel down for those shows all the time. So and they were they were fun shows. It was different than um, and you you must see this now because like what happens down in that tri-state area is way different to me at least than what happens up in Massachusetts for the most part. In what way? Uh, the wrestling in ring. I mean, to to me, like you know, and this is gonna sound like so like. This is going to sound terrible. Like, I watch so little of it. Um, I'm going to no. sound like a dick. No, li- listen, Chris Statlander straight up said, I don't know shit about pro wrestling. All I know is that I was a gymnast. Somebody said, try it out. I did. I loved it. I don't watch wrestling. I don't know anything about it, but I love doing it. So you know what's, don't feel bad. You know what's wild about Chris, just real quick, is I'm I'm currently, before I got on the phone with you, I was editing a video. I do a weekly biographical series, video series. And the one I'm doing right now is about Paradise Alley in Connecticut. And I'm watching a video back from 2017 and I'm walking out to the ring or 2016. I'm walking out to the ring to start the show with like my heel commentary partner. And this girl in the front row goes to give him a high five, but he does that heel thing where he goes to give her a high five, but then he fixes his hair instead. And I look closely and I rewind it a couple times. And that girl in the front row is Chris Statlander. And it just oh, shit. Blew, it blew my mind. Uh, when I post this video on Friday on all my social media, I'm going to do like the little arrow in the freeze gimmick to basically be like, look, look who it is. The, the um, but it was such a difficult interview for us to do because we couldn't. Like, it, But it was so refreshing because we couldn't relate to somebody that was in the industry but didn't know it. I I really like her. I've known her for a while. I'm really happy for all of her success. You know, the cool thing about like 
obviously, you know, I don't have to tell you guys, I feel like no one needs to, it's common knowledge, but like with, uh, MLW and AEW and impact and ring of honor and WWE and NXT and all this stuff. Um, it used to be, you know, you, you'd see that uh, like, you know, people on the indies and you'd be like, Oh man, like so-and-so got signed. Isn't that crazy? Like one of my friends got signed. Now I look at all my friends and I feel like I have more friends that are signed that aren't. Um, it, it's more crazy when someone isn't signed. Like I look at like all, all my very good, like, like Danhausen, Effie, like all these, well, Danhausen did ring of honor, but like, I look at all these guys, these huge names in the industry. And I'm just like, it's crazy. You're not signed. Right. Um, it, it's such a crazy time. Um, to, to jump back though, to your question before, um, you know, I think that, you know, the, the East coast from, Boston or, or I just say Boston cause that's Massachusetts to me. Yeah. I'm sorry. Or I'll say from Worcester. Is that how I say it? Uh, from, yes. from, you actually said you may be the only person not from Massachusetts that said that the right so, way. So, so from Worcester, Massachusetts, uh, where beyond is down to like Philadelphia, uh, is this insane hotbed of professional wrestling in general and how different it is therein. I don't know, but I tell people like, I just went to Dallas recently, uh, with MLW, I go out to Chicago, I go down to like West Virginia, I'm going to, I go to different places throughout the country where wrestling isn't as, uh, crazy huge as it is throughout the Northeast. And a lot of these people like, you know, in, in Dallas, these are great wrestlers, but they're only working, you know, uh, uh, on a good month, they're working once a week, but most of the time they're not. And that's because there's not shows running absolutely everywhere in, you know, where we all are. There, yeah. you're guaranteed to have at least one wrestling show on Friday, Saturday, that's... Sunday, usually Thursday, every single week, and that's that. That's not only great for the fans, but it's great for the performers. Right. You can even like you can even once in a while up in Massachusetts now get a Wednesday night show. Yeah, you know, and that's why <laughs> you know what people look. Someone asked me. Someone asked me, and this is no shade to my buddy Pat, but they're like, you know, hey Mark, look. You know, you're, you're on TV and stuff now. You you know, you do Chikara. You do all this stuff. You're doing all this WrestleMania stuff. Like, you know, um, why are you still driving five hours up to do these UFO shows? And, you know, because I you love them, the roadie. And, and I tell them, I tell them, you know, it, it, I always say this to people, um, you know, normal people, meaning people outside of this crazy business, they go and hang out with their friends and maybe they don't drive five hours to do so, but they go and hang out with their friends and they have a couple beers and they smoke a couple joints. Me, that's all I'm doing. I'm going to hang and have a couple beers and smoke a couple joints yeah. with my friends and I'm getting paid to do it. And I do a little entertaining while I do it. And, you know, that's what I always say. But to add on top of that, what you just said, as long as Pat Dillon is running Wednesday night shows, I'll be there until I can't physically get there. That's cool to hear. Yeah, that's really that's... cool to hear. Yeah. I'm, you know, I'm jealous because the only way, and this is gonna blow your mind, Mark. Like the only way, because I live in Montana, <laughs> that I get to experience professional wrestling is through a screen. Like, legitimately, I've probably been to five live shows in my life, um, and the way that I experience all of this is through somebody, somebody else's eye and perception through a lens. So. Is there no independent wrestling in Montana? That is 
correct, sir. Like the closest we've got is right before Flip went with ROH. Um, there was Flip, Brian Cage, and Matt Riddle all um, as part of a De- Defy show in Missoula um, before Flip took off um, for ROH. But no, there is no regular long-standing show here. And like I can relate, like you say, drive five hours in Montana. I'll literally drive three hours to see somebody for an evening and, and drive back that same night if I, if I really want to. Yeah. If I really want to. Well, you know, I'm from Southern California, and I always tell people it blows my mind. You know, I used to – I grew up where, like, you'd have to drive, like, four or five hours just to get out of the state uh, to get anywhere else. And now I live in a place where, you know, you drive an hour, you're in a different state. You drive another hour, you're in another state. And it's it, it's just crazy. And in all those states – there's like 30 different wrestling promotions, but um, I hope the tide changes in Montana. If for no other reason, then um, pro wrestling is my reason for going places. Like I, I've checked off, you know, dozens of states so far, just going for wrestling. And I would love to visit Montana and I would love wrestling to bring me there. Oh, and no. And here, this is for real. Like solo uh, yeah. said that she's like, let's get a bus or get a Winnebago. <laughs> And like I'll just load people up on the way there, and we'll have a show, and we'll just go home. Oh, you know I'm down to get on a bus with Solo. Except here's the <laughs> thing: is like uh, Officer Magnum's going to be on that bus, and Officer Magnum, he was either Officer Magnum or the other one, Officer McMurray is the other dog. One yeah. of them pissed on me on the way. <laughs> we, the it was me, Chris Levin, Solo Darling, and Willow Nightingale driving together down to Flying V in Maryland. And at one point, like we smelled something and it was like, what's that smell? I don't know, Maryland. So we just didn't even think about it. And then like Baltimore Ravens. That's what and, that then, was. and then it, something started getting warm. And Chris and I like leapt out of our seats as best we can in a moving car. And we were like, oh, my God, the dog's pissed on us. <laughs> so oh, uh, I'll stay in the back of the bus. But that sounds like a good time. No. <laughs> You do something as well, and I think this is probably part of the reason why you travel five hours for some shows. You actually load your car up. Yeah. And you do what Robbie did for you. Yeah. For some um, of these kids. And that's like, that's such a key because I, I don't even want to put people out there because I don't want to say they've only been wrestling this long because they're extremely talented. Obviously, like, I don't think you would vote for someone who wasn't or who couldn't handle themselves. But a lot of these kids wouldn't get out there if it wasn't for someone doing that for them. Yeah, you know, and, you know, that first that, you know, that last part is crucial is um, I have a lot of people that reach out to me and they're like, hey, Mark, can you give me some names of promoters? And, you know, uh, a lot of times I'll send them a list of places and uh, sometimes I won't even do that because you know, you can't vouch for some, you can't put your name on someone that might like disappoint and that, that, that could really tarnish my reputation. But yeah, in these cases, you know, there are some guys that I like to take out on the road with me. And to that point, I, um, you know, it's specifically these Chikara guys, uh, Tunku Amir, um, Devontae's <laughs> Joshua Wells, uh, frantic, there's uh, zero. There's a whole bunch that I've been taking out with me. And, you know, it, it, I had this really cool moment. It was several months ago where, um, you know, it was actually after a UFO show. I was driving from 
uh, Malden, Massachusetts, to Utica, New York, for a show in, in uh, out there. It was, I think Pat had a fr- Pat must have had a Friday night show for some reason. But um, either way, we were driving out, and I I remember you know Robbie used to take me out, and he would get hotels that the promoters would pay for, and I would get to stay in these hotels, and it was so cool. Like, oh my god, yeah. I'm out on the road. There's a hotel that a promoter's paying for. Sure, it's not me they're paying for it for. They're paying for Rob, but whatever, that doesn't matter. And now I'm out on the road with these guys, and we've got a hotel, and the promoter's paying for it for me. So it's this really cool full circle thing where, um, as you said, I'm doing, I'm trying to do for people what Robbie did for me. And, um, I think a lot of these guys, specifically the ones I just mentioned, they're really, um, they're really making a name for themselves as best they can. Uh, I know that all the guys that just came to UFO last week, uh, Devontes and Tunku Amir, they were invited to come back for the next show on April 22nd. So, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's important to do that kind of stuff. And that's huge because the April show, I mean, he pretty much started off the show. I think he actually did it during, right before your seminar. He was like, if you're not booked in April, please don't ask me because he's co-promoting that with someone else. So he doesn't have the full card. Yeah. So to, you know, to take the time out, but he also appreciates that those guys, I think, take the ride and that then they go out and they do what they do best. JP, we're uh, 25 in, so let's take a quick break, um, pay some of your bills. Um, yeah, good. And, I got to turn my lights back on. Yeah, no kidding. Good thing you, good thing you have that Walmart internet. Um, <laughs> and then I want to tell Mark the stories. One first, the first story I want to talk to him about is uh, the interview with Frantic, and the second one is the interview with Tunku. All right, we'll be right back. Okay. We're All cool right, like guys. That. Oh, sorry, JP. Now you got to edit this. Remember that no, one time? Back. Remember that one time? Oh, which time? <laughs> yeah. Remember when you made it so difficult for me to edit that one episode? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so back on the other side, um, if, if Mark, if they, first, if they want to find you on social media, um, how do they get a hold of you? Uh, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Mark A. Haggerty, and you can check out my YouTube by uh, going to youtube.com slash Mark Adam Haggerty. And you like, I watched your entire, I th- think you got four episodes up there on your YouTube so far of the, the biopic series there. I and think, I... I think I'm up to five now. I think there might be five up there now. The six, I, man, it's tough to remember. I think I'm up to five up there now, but uh, the new one is coming out this Friday. I know I watched everything that was up there as of yesterday, and it's like, it's just fun. Like, your life and how it's changed, and like, I would have never knew that you grew weed for a living. I would (laughs) have never in a million years would have guessed that. You just don't carry yourself... Or the fact that you wrote for dirt sheets and now you're yeah. and now you're where you're at. It's Hold like on. I You yeah, actually it's... said something in that. You actually said you paid your bills writing for dirt sheets. True or false? Yeah, no, that's true. A hundred percent. That's incredible. God, dang, man. <laughs> yeah, so here, you know, I um when I I I was working uh this was like twenty fourteen and um 
I was working in politics in Southern California, and I saw an ad on a dirt sheet that I was reading as a fan looking for writers. And I started doing it part time. And then it just uh, I did it so much that it became my full time gig. And I was doing that for about two years. And that led into podcasting. And then that led into doing commentary for promotions. And then that turned into ring announcing. And then I got signed. Now, now that you're a ring announcer, or when you do you have, or did you have before you, you kind of blew up, did you have other ring announcers that you sort of looked up to or looked to? Um, you know, uh, kind of. You know, I always say that Tony Chimmel in WWE is probably my favorite ring announcer of all time. Uh, I really like the way that he said superstar. That was really cool. Uh, whenever I get to say superstar or super or anything, I always do that as an homage. But, um, you know, I was never an independent wrestling fan, probably much the same as it is in Montana. In Southern California, when I was growing up and up until like 2015, there really weren't any independent promotions. Uh, there was PWG and Championship Wrestling from Hollywood, but they were at least two hours away from me. And, um, you know, and to, to me, that wasn't really doable. I didn't have really friends to go with to that kind of stuff. So indie wrestling wasn't really big and the Internet hadn't. I mean, th there was stuff on the Internet, obviously, but like as far as I was concerned, like Ring of Honor and like Impact were as indie as I knew. That's and, right. um, you know, so I really never had any independent ring announcers that I, I looked up to. There's guys that I'm friends with that I admire, like uh, like a Larry Legend um, or the guy I mentioned before, David Adams. I really like those guys a lot. I know at one point, it might have been the first time you came up for UFO. I think you were with Fowler and uh, probably Robbie. Yep. Uh, well, I, I came can... up with Robbie the first time. The second time I came up with Falaba, uh, Sean Donovan, and Mark Carino from the Heavenly Bodies. I think it was that time. I can tell you, Rich Palladino traveled about an hour just to see you ring a note. Oh, well, Rich is a nice guy. I really like Rich. Yeah, that's... To me, he, like, and you've reached it, obviously. I'm not a judge. I'm not a booker. I'm not a promoter. But, like, if somebody's paying you and putting you on TV, you've obviously reached the height that other people haven't. But to me, like, Palladino is the mark you want to hit. And you've obviously hit it. You know what I mean? Yeah, you know, um, it, it's it's really, it's, it's sometimes tough to think in those kinds of um uh in just that that way is uh like someone like rich who's been doing this for god like 20 plus years yeah. and then someone like me who's been doing it for three years uh people compare me to him and they talk about me in the same conversation and i really sometimes i don't know how to react to it it's like all right well you know it, it it's very flattering um you know there's still things man there's things that even dude even on mlw on like uh on television with us with a contract for three years, there's things that rich does that I would want to do. You know, like yep. I would love to do the collective shows, WrestleMania weekend. I would love to work beyond. I would love to work limitless, but, uh, you know, we each have our niche and, uh, rich is filling his very I, nicely. You're I doing think, a big show we, WrestleMania weekend though, right? Yeah. What? 
You're doing a pretty big show WrestleMania weekend, aren't you? Um, I've got six shows WrestleMania weekend so far. Are you doing pancakes and power drivers? No, no, they've not uh, contacted me yet. Well, no. I, well, I, I don't know. That's um, I think that's is that WrestleCon? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I don't know who they would be using. The thing with like, you know, the thing about Florida is um, it's, it's Florida. weird. It, yeah, it, right. Gross. <laughs> the thing about Florida is there's so much wrestling talent down there. But, like, so few viable promotions. You know, there's places... There's, there's like, really good places, obviously. But they're few and far between. Like, there's some... There's, like, one in Tampa. There's one in Gainesville. There's one in Orlando. You know, they're all over in different places. And then you have all this talent that moves down there because they think Florida's the place to be because that's where WWE is located. And then come to find out, like, oh, shit, uh, there's no independence for me to work at. So, um... So my, my point being there, I've got six shows booked in a state that I've never worked in before. Um, if I get more than that, that would be great. But I assume that some of the local guys will probably pick some up, too. Yeah, and that's – but you're, um, I think Effie's, uh, Effie's show is getting a ton of attention right now. Yeah, Effie's show is sold out. Um, it's sold out. It's poised to be um, – I mean, it's not going to be bigger than Spring Break. Nothing is bigger than Spring Break. That's the WrestleMania of right. the collective. But besides Spring Break, um, I mean, it's poised to be probably the biggest show of the collective. Um, it's definitely going to be the biggest LGBTQ wrestling show in history. And I've been on some pretty big ones. I've been on all the major ones so far, uh, at least over the past few years. And this one, I mean, they, there's international talent. There's... Uh, yeah, it's unbelievable. This show. Now, what's really cool. What's really cool. I'm sorry, JP. I didn't mean to butt in, but okay. um, like, what's really cool for me is like Randy Myers just won the Defy Championship recently, and is he going to be there? Like, has any? I don't know. If, I haven't looked at the talent roster of that even. I've, if that has, but I don't know. Is it? I have no idea. Uh, I'll be honest. I was paying very little attention to it until my name was mentioned. That's just kind of how I am as a person. I'm a narcissist. Um, (laughs) But like, like I know that um, there's like some exoticos coming from Mexico. Um, My buddy Shea Purser, who's done some stuff uh, for Chikara, who's from the UK, is going to be coming over. you know, those are just two that I like. Still Life is obviously going to be there. Still Life is on like four shows with me over WrestleMania weekend. We're actually staying in the same hat. We're driving down together. Still Life is my WrestleMania travel partner. That's um, but yeah, no, I, I don't know much beyond that, though. That's no. How many names right now are in your database? Um, hold on. Okay, you just said database. Like, I have. To, I'll explain this after. He, Mark knows exactly what I'm talking okay. about. Okay, all right, all right. I'm just clarifying that. I'm just clarifying that so you don't get judged, just like somebody else saying the website is the most important thing to your wrestling career. <laughs> so, um, my database. My, you, you mean like my the the wrestlers that I announce and stuff, right? Yep. So, uh, I have it broken up into four categories. There's male, female, tag team, and non-binary. There's, yes. one, there's one in non-binary. That would be still life. There are 100 and, 131 women. 
There are 163 tag teams, and there are 1,848 men. So, can I explain what the database is, and you can correct me if I'm wrong? Is this what Paladino sure, keeps go ahead. all on his on the three by fives? Yeah. So what okay. Mark does is Mark prints out business card size sheets with each of them before he goes to the shows. So he knows the roster before he's going down, prints them all down, comes down, has all the information already done before he gets to the show. Correct. To me, that separates you from 90% of the ring announcers that I've seen. Well, yeah. So I keep um, an Excel spreadsheet right on my phone, and I edit it at the end of every weekend, adding all the new people to it. And... um, you know, it's just an app right on my phone and it's synced with the one on my computer. So wherever I change it, it changes. And what's cool about this is I can share it. So there's a couple of ring announcers that I've taken under my wing in the business and I've shared it with them so that they have access to it so that when they're out on the road, they don't feel like, I mean, some of these guys are working like their first, second, third shows. So if they have a database of 2000 names, they feel a little more at ease. That's but, so cool. Um, yeah. So what I do, what I do now, so I, yes, I, I uh, kind of like what you said, but with a little caveat, what I do now is depending on wherever the show is. So like UFO, I printed out cards that are uh, like three by five index cards. And on one side is the UFO wrestling logo with the date. And then on the other side is the information for each match. And I do that everywhere I go. And I started doing that with Chikara. I started printing the Chikara logo on the one side and I just kind of, I don't know, I get like obsessive compulsive and addicted to doing certain, certain things. And I just kind of like one afternoon looked at my schedule coming up and printed out like 50 different logo card batches. And, um, and that was one of the things that I think really impressed court Bauer. So I'm happy I did it. That's well, yeah, because most ring announcers are running around the day of show 10 minutes before the show, running through the locker room, like may or may not have happened recently, trying to find people's music. But it, um, <laughs> but you, were, you have just to clarify, you've already. been to quite a few shows recently, so it's not just one, right? Absolutely. <laughs> but there was only one Mark Tools vote, <laughs> but yeah, no, it definitely um, makes it easier. It makes it so, um, you know, one of the scariest things when I first started in wrestling. And I talk about this in one of my videos. There are five. There's my prologue. There's BBWF Dynasty, Grimm's Toy Show, uh, Robbie E. And this weekend is Paradise Alley. So this is going to be the sixth. How uh, much wh- did you learn about social media from Grimm? Um, you know, one of my things that I talk about in my seminar is the need to post regular content. Um meaning that uh, you want to get people in the habit of returning to your social media, whether it's your Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or all of them, your YouTube, doesn't matter. And that's something that Grimm really kind of instilled in me because since the day I met him until today, Grimm releases content every single day at like five o'clock without fail. And, you know, he's the kind of guy where like, even if he doesn't have something um, like he'll come up with something and, you know, his way of shooting is kind of like like the locker room detectives. Uh, we've kind of gone uh, the, the same way is uh, 
you know, Grimm will get like, you know, five, 10, however many guys he has and be like, all right, here's like three different things we can shoot today. I'm going to shoot them all and then I'll figure it out later. And that's kind of what Chris and I do sometimes where we just shoot stuff based on who we have and then we plug it into episodes however it fits. No, I, I wanted to touch on that because I think Grimm gets sort of a bad rap, but you look at his product for what it is and not what you want it to be. And it's, it is what it is. You know what I mean? But the fact of the matter is he has millions of fans. He has millions of fans. He has millions of subscribers on YouTube. He has ten, like hundreds of thousands of followers on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I said it in that video and I really encourage people to check out that video series, my life in the periphery of pro wrestling. Um, it, it, the one about Grimm's toy show, it summed up what I've been saying for years. And the analogy I think I made in the video was perfect was just, um, Grimm's toy show. It's a comedy show about wrestling. It's not a wrestling show. And like I said in the video, and like I've been telling people for years, you know, you can be, um, you know, Alec Baldwin or Helen Mirren or, you know, uh, an Academy Award winning actor and you can go and perform in a serious movie and win an Academy Award. But like in that same time span, you can also go on Saturday Night Live and play the president or some other silly character. You know what I mean? So the yep. thing about Grimm's Toy Show is like I can be on MLW or Chikara and be an announcer introducing Dasher Hatfield, the grand champion or uh, Jacob Fatu, the MLW champion, and all these serious things. But then I can also go on Grimm's Toy Show and, like, uh, you know, chase guys around with, like, a rake <laughs> or whatever I was doing. I don't know. That's... JP? No. Yeah. On the other side of this, since you took the entire time to stall so I could not tell the story <laughs> about Tunku or <laughs> Frantic. Oh, great. On the other side of this break, I'm going to tell that story. Plus, uh, I got a few questions um, that are Chikara-specific for Mark when we come back. Okay, JP? Quit stalling. Yes. Okay, we'll be right back. Josh, hey, what's up, JW? Us... Hey, JP? Like, we're back. This is this is where you have to stop for a second. Okay? Because I, I know, like, you don't want me to tell these stories, do you? Ah, you tell them all you want. Okay. Mark, here, the first story. Frantic. <laughs> Unique individual, correct? Correct. He needs advice Cur on Twitter. <laughs> Currently, I believe, has at least three banned accounts on record. Or maybe has been banned for life. JP? Sounds right. Banned for life? or can he, <laughs> I, I, I don't mean... think he was banned for life. I know at least one time, and I did not complain. I actually... Um, Encouraged. I thought it was entertaining, but at least one of the times was for threatening to kill me. Yeah. Um, Frantic, definitely a, a bizarre individual. We did a, a two-and-a-half-hour live video stream on New Year's Eve for the Locker Room Detectives that would, then went to IWTV, and uh, during which Frantic's portion of the program was hitting on women, um, is he yelling the whole line, time? Does he hit when he yells? Does he just in like in storyline? Uh, Professor Nicodemus gave him a potion that made him uh, horny and <laughs> able to and able to talk, and he was just like walking around spitting game to all the girls at the party, like, "Hey, baby, you've been running through my mind all day." But it's but he was saying it like frantic, so it was more like, "Hey, baby, you've been running through my mind all day." So. <laughs> 
<laughs> that video is also available on my YouTube. It's uh, it's the New Year Locker Dicks New Year's Extravaganza. It's like two plus hours. Now the locker the locker room detectives. Does that go exclusive? I mean, you said that one's on your YouTube, but does that go exclusive to ind- independent wrestling TV? So Chris and I started the show uh, just for fun uh, for us. We never thought that anyone would like it. Uh, we we thought maybe our friends would get a kick out of it. Like we were literally making it because, you know, the thing about indie wrestling and every I mean, we've all everyone's got like group chats with a bunch of friends. But yeah. like indie wrestling, like we've got like 20 different group chats, like half the people are all in them. Like it's weird, but we figured this would be something we would just share in group chats and stuff. But. We ended up putting it on my YouTube and we put five episodes. Up. I think we put uh, five episodes up and then we talked to Jerry who owns IWTV and I'm very familiar with Jerry and IWTV, obviously through Chikara. And I mean, half the promotions I work for are on IWTV. So, you know, I, we just talked to him and we were like, Hey, is this something that you would be interested in? And he said, hell yeah, of course. So episodes seven through 20 are all uh, exclusive to IWTV, except for our Christmas episode. We gave that away for free. So uh, on my if you go to my YouTube channel on my playlists on the locker room detective playlist, uh, it has all the free episodes and then everything else is on IWTV. There's currently 20 episodes Um, season one ended at the in the middle of January. And we've already got two episodes filmed for season two, and it returns on April 2nd. That's... So story two, JP, stop. (sighs) Story two, like this is legitimate, and you'll verify this with Tunku. When we did our interview, Tunku would not uh, reply or answer to anything that JP said. Unless he said "sir" at the end of every sentence. Yeah, I had a. I spent an He's hour dick, referring dude. to him as "sir." He's a dick. The kid's a dick. <laughs> but that's see. You want to hear a worse story? Yes. Yes. So after that UFO show, when we went to Utica, New York, um, we all had like a couple hours to kill. So me, Tunku Amir, uh, Calix the Castigator. Joshua Wells and Frantic, all uh, crazy cast of characters, all went to like this revolutionary war site, this like (laughs) local like state park just to like look around, have fun. And we were walking through these cabins and inside one of the cabins was this like fox pelt, uh, like this just like white fur shawl. I don't know what you We all get those as kids in Montana when we're born. So, but so you get, you get what I'm saying. So, so like that, that, that is what they had in there. And, uh, Tunku, you call him Tunku. I call him Akbar. He picks it up. um, (laughs) He picks it up in, inside this little cabin and he turns to me and he goes, Hey, you think I should take this? And I was like, what? No, I don't think you should take that. And he's like, no, like for my entrance, I think it'll look cool. And I was like, no, put it back, you maniac. And then and then uh, he puts it back and then we go and then fast forward like a week later, we're at Chikara and he pulls this thing out of his bag. He had stolen it. Allegedly. 
allegedly. He, uh, allegedly. Um, what else? Oh, on t- we're also at the Revel. And remember, he's from Singapore. Like, he, he, like you know, real talk, kayfabe brother, but like, whatever. He's here on a student visa. Uh, he goes to school in Pennsylvania. So he's here on a student visa, and he's only been here for like a year and a half, two years. And uh, we're standing in the Revolutionary War Museum, and he's just like staring at this display of like this Revolutionary War. And he turns to me and he's like, wait, so this country used to be British? And I was just like, oh, man, you've got, oh, man, I might have some old textbooks I could give you. Uh, it was, uh, I love, uh, I, he is genuinely one of my favorite people. He's now on um, Impact Wrestling, uh, was it called Gut Check or something like that? I don't know, it's got a dumb name, but. Explosion, yeah. I believe it's uh, got a green emblem. Trust me, I think it's yeah. But they've got like a uh, no, but they've got like this um, this like boot camp reality show. I think it's called Gut Check. It's on his uh-huh. uh, it's on his Instagram, and he's oh. part of it now. And it's basically like uh, guys on the roster that I've never heard of yelling at guys on the indies about how they're not good enough for TV. And I'm like, oh, cool. But hey, he it- the Gut Check a while back, and it was like Al Snow and Taz critiquing people with that. Uh, well, see, Pritchett. that's cool. That's cool. Yeah. Um, I had th- this one scene, and I, I don't mean to make fun. That that's rude. I'm, I don't mean to be a no, jerk. No, 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 no. That's but real. Like, that's but not like the rude. one that's clip real. I saw, the one clip I saw was this guy, and I honestly, honest to God, didn't know who he was. And he's like, "What? You're gonna roll to the right? You want to be on TV? Get out of here!" And I'm like, "Whoa, it's real on this. What the hell, man? I don't want to watch that. That's uncomfortable." It's fourth yeah. wall stuff that makes people uncomfortable, right? But, but right. all yeah. this to say. That um, uh, I keep wanting to call him Akbar. Uh, Tunku is uh, <laughs> he is he's only been wrestling for like a year and a half. Uh, I've been taking him out on the road for or maybe a year. I don't even know, but I've been taking him out on the road for several months. And out of every single one of the Chikara students, uh, you know, he has been hungrier than any of them. Uh, Chris Levin and I were kind of tasked early on with getting some of uh, the crucible guys and some of the younger students out and getting them like, you know, more uh, exposure and more time in the ring in different places. And a lot of them, you know, and I'm not going to name names, but a lot of them really do need to be like, you know, have their hand held and need like dates given to them and they need to be driven places. Whereas uh, Tunku, he, you know, he'll, he'll go to a promotion. Like, you know, we went to, outbreak wrestling in pennsylvania i drove him there and then when he was there he met like four or five other promoters and then got all these other bookings that he's now driving himself to the guy's busier than i am so i gotta give him credit i I love that guy the kids like he's he's a worker he's a worker he consistently asked me for like promoters names up in this area because he knows there's a lot Yep. I mean, when he was there at UFO, he was talking to uh my dude from uh proving ground he was talking yeah. to Bob oh. Rossi about XWA. He was talking to people about book uh, about bookings on, uh, like you said, that co-promoted event. Because Pat's got two yeah. events coming up. He's got the one, the co-promoted yeah. show on April and 18th. And then he's got a UFO uh, spring vacation show on April 22nd. But yeah, Akbar is one of those guys, man. And that's how I was early on. You know, you just, that's... you got nothing to do. I tell people, I said this in my seminar. I don't know if like, you know, whatever, but like, 
in my seminar, I say to people, it's like, you got free time at the end of the night. Like it's 1130 at night. You're feeling down. You're feeling like you wasted your day. You're feeling like you're not working toward your career. Send a message to a promoter. What's it going to hurt? And that's just, I can't tell you how many nights I've just gone to bed, like copy, paste, copy, paste, copy, paste. Hey, my name's Mark. Hey, my name's Mark. Hey, my name's Mark. And, and Hey, of 20 that you send, you might get one reply, but, um, that was always my attitude, and that Oops. worked, and that's that's how Akbar's doing it. That's, that's how the best of us do it. That's the same attitude that we have when we're trying to reach out to people. Like, yeah. sometimes it will take, like with Matt Farmer and Selena De La Renta, <laughs> like, it took us, JP, what, like a year? Probably a year. Yeah, like, to get everything like, scheduled. Yeah, like a year between, like, hey, you know, we're going to figure this stuff out, so... And this is this is just how it works, and you know, like we interviewed Matt, and no, sh- like no shit, the next day Selena reached out. So, um, it, it well, it's the, it's always it's just. Would, it's, sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. The only thing I would say to that is, uh, and I say this to people all the time, like podcasters, because obviously I've been in that boat. Um, you know, uh, just like you know, not you know, and dealing with that, and not, not having people like wanting to get back to you. And I'll say Selena De La Renta. Uh, I hesitate to say anything negative because we're both signed to MLW, but um, also she's like a hot chick and hot chicks. I mean, even as a gay guy, I could tell like hot chicks, they operate differently than normal people uh, in a good way. But I will say, um, it's a different set of rules. There's a, just a tell, different set of rules. You know what I mean? Like, and, and you know, look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a left wing feminist, whatever. And, and I live in this world look. where it's like, look, chicks had it bad. If you want to do you, do you, whatever. Um, But my point is I tell podcasters and people that write interviews and stuff all the time, like, it's like, oh, I want to reach out to this person, but they don't want to. And it's like, look, you know, anyone that doesn't want to do your show wouldn't be a fucking good interview anyway, because they're just going to be lazy. I I, I didn't ask. I don't mean to curse on your show. Sorry. Uh, They they wouldn't. We usually do. So don't worry. They they wouldn't be a good interview anyway, because they're going to be lazy. They're going to want you to do a lot of the work the people that respond to you immediately are going to be the best interviews. And I say all the time, like nine times out of 10, like you go to that UFO show and I mean, granted how many people on that show do you really want to talk to? But, um, uh, <laughs> but, but my point is my point Not is you, go, you, you go to a show like that. You go to like any independent show or anything. You ask everyone to do an interview. Everyone's going to do an interview. Because even people that are signed to MLW, even people that are signed to Impact, even people that are with Ring of Honor, WWE, whatever, like you are giving us an opportunity to do one of our favorite things in the world. And that is talk about ourselves. And and I'm not even kidding when I say that, like we all we're, we're entertainers and like. We all have stories, and and the fact that someone wants to hear our story – I mean you guys actually have listeners and followers and stuff. But yeah. I tell people all the time in my seminar, it's like, look, if if a podcaster with five followers wants to reach out to you and, and, and interview you, do the podcast. A, you get to talk about yourself. B, their five followers are now your five followers. But point is like I – Anyone that doesn't want to do a podcast interview is a dick, and they're not worth interviewing. I nope. guess that was a that's that was a point I was trying to get to. And, and JP, like we got, I don't want to, I I don't want to, like we got five minutes left because there's this is one of those things where we come back and we have a two and a three. Yeah, because absolutely, uh, the biggest thing for me and like your it, your journey, what you're doing, how you've done it, who you are. Um, 
and what you're doing for the business. And this is no shit. Like it's I've been we've we've done this a long time. I've had conversations with some cool ass people, but the fact that you've taken that leap, um, the question's twofold. Like, when did you know it was time to stop doing the podcast and take it to the next level? And uh, two, um, how hard or how much, just like any professional wrestler or anybody that is in this profession that is either a referee um, or anybody like that, like, what's the struggle like and to get to where you're at? Um, well, you know, uh, I don't know if I ever really decided to stop podcasting. What, what happened, uh, you know, in a nutshell, because I know we're on time constraints is basically, um, I, I was podcasting. I went to a show, uh, and on that show, the guys on, they, they were so hard up to do commentary, but they didn't have the equipment to do it, that they were doing it on live house mics. I always joke, they were doing it like uh, Brother Love on Boy Meets World. They were just, <laughs> you know, they, they, they were just talking into the live house mics doing oh. commentary. And after the show, I hit up the promoter and I was like, hey, uh, I produce commentary or I produce podcasts. At that time, I was actually producing Ryback's podcast on top of my own. I was doing a bunch of different stuff. And I said, hey, I could produce your audio for your YouTube videos. So he invited me to a show to do it. And the show that he invited me to, the commentator bailed. So I filled in on commentary. And then I just got to be friends with the people there. And I went to a couple shows to ride along with Robbie. And one of those shows that I rode along to needed a ring announcer. And that was the first time I ring announced. And that was February 2017. And, um, you know, uh, as far as like leaving podcasting behind, I still did it for a long time. I still kept up with my own show for a long time into it, but it kind of got to the point where I was just, uh, I was working on so many different things toward, uh, my career otherwise that it was just unmanageable at that point. Um, and as far as how hard it's been as the struggle and all that, uh, you know, y- y- you have to make sacrifices and you have to dedicate yourself 100%. I tell people uh, in the last video that I put out about Robbie, he helped me formulate a two-year plan. And that two-year plan was one that he followed, that I followed, that I instill in the guys that come with me. And that is basically this. You take two years. You say, uh, if, if those two years are starting today, I don't know what today's date is, but um, you, you say like, you know, uh, you know, February 24th, 25th, whatever, 2020 is my starting date, which means February 24th, 25th, uh, 2022 is my end date from those two dates. I'm going to put a hundred percent into professional wrestling. If that means, uh, losing out on relationships, not going out on dates, fine. If it means, uh, friends don't talk to me because I don't want to hang out. Fine. If it means that I'm missing weddings and birthdays and christenings and anniversaries, fine. If it means that like, I can't adopt a dog that I wanted to adopt. Fine. You just have to dedicate everything to it. You need to take far away bookings in Malden, Massachusetts, five hours away for $0 <laughs> starting out. You need to go all the way to Maine for $30. You need to go anywhere and everywhere to network for two years. And at the end of those two years, you look back at where you've been. You assess where you want to go. You pull off the smaller places far away that aren't paying you enough. You dedicate to the bigger places, i.e. your Chikaras, your Battle Club Pros, your Primetime Wrestlings in D.C., uh, so on and so forth. And then you move forward from there. And that's what I've done. And that has been hard to do. 
it's been a struggle financially. It's been a struggle personally, but it has been uh, a triumph uh, professionally. Do you think being a gay man, you had a little more of a struggle to come up in pro wrestling, yeah, which is yeah, like yeah. a manly man's world or how it seems? No, I really don't think so. Uh, I tell people all the time that pro wrestling has pro wrestling is, is way more inclusive than people give it credit yeah. for. Uh, I mean, if you talk racially, uh, pro wrestling has been inclusive like long before any other sport. You know, the color barriers of pro wrestling were broken down before they were in baseball or any other sport. And you talk about people that are gay or LGBTQ, whatever. Uh, you look back at folks like your your Jim Barnetts and uh, your Grand Wizards and so many other famous people like your Pat Pattersons, and maybe they weren't focal po- like points on TV. But to me, that's just because society at large wasn't ready for them to be. But as far as pro wrestling was uh, concerned, those people were a vital part of the industry. So I feel like pro wrestling has always been inclusive, at least on the inside. And um, it's now getting more so on the outside. I would actually say that coming out of the closet was the best thing that I could have ever done for my career. It made me more comfortable in myself. It made other people more comfortable to be around me. And if I'm just being honest, it's made me more marketable as a commodity. Here's JP. Here's a crazy takeaway from every time we do this with with the like the people that we just like. As soon as you told me like you're like, dude, guess who I ran to? And guess who we we get the interview? I was like, who this time? You said Mark Haggerty. I was like, are you shitting me? Are you for real? <laughs> because the the coolest thing is is like I at some point it was like. We heard this from Ace Austin. We've heard this from so many people, from Anthony Green to even Josh Briggs and Messages. Is like when that seat is open, no matter how far you're driving, just take the open seat. Just go. Just go. Just get in the seat. Pay for gas. Even if it costs you money to go to that place, just to get on the show. Am I I wrong in saying that, man? That's Bob Evans' philosophy right there. Jump in. It's it's exactly what you have to do. And... um, that is how everyone that has made it in this business has made it. Talent, look, regardless of gender, anything. Like if if they're on TV or if they're big on the indies, it's because they've got the drive to be there. I got JP. I just I have one more question, dude, and it's it, I think it goes along with the post today. Like how, how in your journey in that two year journey, Mark? Like how vital has the people, including Bryce Ramsberg and Mike Quackenbush at Chikara, been for your um, rise and where you're at now? Man, without Bryce, I wouldn't be at Chikara. Bryce met me out on the indies, and uh, he brought me in. And he's the reason that Mike came into my life. And, you know, I tell people all the time, Mike is like my dad, my mom, my brother, my son in some cases. He knows so little about technology in a lot of ways. I have to teach him, but... Mike Quackenbush, um, you know, if I'm just going to speak honestly, like I've had to take a bit of a step away from Chikara since signing with MLW and um, any other promotion, it would have been like whatever sucks, but on to bigger and better. Because, I mean, no matter how you slice it, MLW is bigger than Chikara, but my fondness and my affinity and my love for Mike Quackenbush as a person and as a teacher and in everything he's done for me um, 
like that outweighs everything. Um, like I could be signed to WWE and the way I feel about him is bigger than that. Um, Mike Quackenbush has, he's taught me so much. He's given me so many opportunities. He's brought me places I never thought I'd be, and I'll never be able to repay him for everything he's done for me. I'm going to try by being on his show this Saturday, but, um, uh, that's the first step to repaying him, I guess. No, I want to, you, I want you to now take your time, plug what date you have, plug your shows and plug your social media again. Oh man. Um, well, basically plug Mark Adam Haggerty. I've got so many shows coming up. Uh, I, I guess I could say that, um, the big ones that I've got on the horizon coming up are next weekend. Let's say, uh, on Friday, March 6th, I'm going to be in Bristol, Pennsylvania at the worldwide dojo, which is owned by cheeseburger. They've got a student show going on that I help out at the next night. I am going to be at primetime wrestling for butch versus Gore, a big LGBT show with Effie and a ton of people. The show's sold out. Uh, the show, the night after that, I'm going to be up in Massachusetts and Gardner, Massachusetts at zero one USA Northeast for their championship tournament. Um, and then the big stuff after that, that I've got are my WrestleMania weekend plans, which basically the Thursday is my busiest day. I've got uh, primetime wrestling at two 30. I've got full throttle at four 30. I've got, uh, I've got, uh, or no, it's all in there. I've got Full Throttle. I've got Uncanny. I've got the Nobodies. I've got uh, Pizza Party Wrestling. I've got Effie's Big Gay Brunch uh, and hopefully some other stuff. Follow me on social media at Mark A. Haggerty. I put out a new biographical video every single Friday, and uh, I think I'm interesting to follow. You definitely are. And. Uh, I oh, and watch MLW Fusion every Saturday night on BN Sports and YouTube. Sorry, JP. Yeah, here's here's like the the like. There's so many questions I want. Like I just want like so much more time. Like yeah, so much more time. I, I want mean, to sit here and talk to him about Canyon for an hour. I know. I'll t- so I'll talk about Canyon forever. He well, did we, a lot for us back in the day. And JP, like, tell he meant us, so much to me. We got time, man. Just tell the story real quick. So, so I mean, this is this is it. The other kid that we used to do the podcast with, and he's still he's still family to me. He's still part of this. Uh, he was a Boston cop. Kenyon got arrested down in Florida. I had never talked to Kenyon. Had never met Kenyon. I read this on the news groups. I called my buddy up. Said, "What can you do?" He calls down to Florida. Talk to the cops, and the cops agree to do a little favor and basically not show up for court for Chris. Chris then comes on our show and this was, we had a chat room with the podcast. We didn't have, we weren't able to text each other at the time. Like this, we were doing this through house phones and, uh, this was multiple Skype lines. (laughs) I want to say this was, yeah, I want to say this was like Oh four Oh five. Yeah. Chris came out of the closet on the Irish whip. Oh, wow. Two or three days before he came out of the closet on the Howard Stern show. Oh, wow. That's awesome. Didn't tell us he was doing it. Just did it. He knew he was doing us a favor by doing it. He was repaying what we had, what Joe had done for him. Well, that's huge. It was like incredible. So like, and he, he had come on a couple of times after that, like Chris meant a lot and he did a lot for us. So that's. Well, 
anytime you guys want to talk, I'm definitely down to come back on. As I said, I love talking about me, and I love talking to you guys. You guys are a lot of fun. Yeah, we no, and, and the and the thing is, is is you wouldn't be getting the information from Mike Quackenbush if he wasn't able to trust you and and know that you would be able to same pay it forward and pass that information on to the people you thought thought or feel could benefit from that in a way that he would be proud. Yeah, right. For well, Mike like to entrust you with his students, Mark. Thank you. Um, I appreciate you. Love what you're doing. Proud of you. Like how you've come up so quick and. Just keep doing your thing, man. And I want to see. I I don't want you to tell me what it is. I want to talk to you in two years and see what your two year plan is from now till then. Yeah, no shit, oh. right? All right. Well, uh, it's a deal. I will talk to. You. Hopefully, I'll talk to you guys before then, though. Yes, you I'll will. see. I will see you in April. So. Yeah. All right, guys. Well, thank you very much. Thanks, thank Mark. You, Mark. Have a great night, buddy. You too, guys. Bye. Wow. All right, guys. Yeah, wow. how cool was that? Like, wow, we ran, we ran over. He's such a good guy. Like, just Dude, genuinely he is nice a legitimate person. Legitimate good guy. Like, <laughs> I want him to be ungay. My sister get divorced, and then her marry him. <laughs> we just have a. We <laughs> should have a brother. <laughs> or you marry him. Uh, I don't know, man. There's just I have so many guys that are. Uh, I don't mean I don't want to degrade. It's just it's twenty twenty that are that are homosexuals and and are are yeah. that those people and and I don't mean that in a in a degrading way. I mean it in the fact that they opened my eyes to so many things on so many levels that if I wasn't open to that, not only their sexuality but who they were, I wouldn't be able to do this. But what I like about Mark is like in he's just real man. Yeah. So charisma like even in this like you can feel the charisma in the internet yeah in yeah i'm just i'm i'm su- uh, two plus the validation with tunku yeah is pretty is pretty amazing i mean that kid is amazing as well it's yeah. not frantic like i don't know man i'm just uh it was super he, fun and he's a super cool guy he, and he i just can't took wait you to way behind the wall with tunku too i don't know if uh oh no that's that's that, that, I don't know if you caught that. I think you, you uh, but I, you were way behind the wall with Tunku there. Yes, I didn't want to say anything. You know, right? I I just let that I just let that go. But you think about it, and you know, Quackenbush is a protective, very protective teacher, and he entrusts. He is so protective students. that he won't even talk to us about certain things, but will email or text us. What, right. he, what exactly what he has given us or what he would what he yep. needs like he, he he is that private even with us after a decade yeah so he but it's um he entrusts him with his students which that's huge okay well so. i think you're really cool and i have to pee really bad so <laughs> we need to be done hey you want to hear something really cool you gotta hang up. <laughs>